there is still no deal between the Major League Baseball owners and the Players Association. We'll tell you why. The Reds could have a strong lineup once the season starts. We will rank them against the rest of the National League Central. All that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are, uh, we've been doing Reds podcasts for well over three years now, and we have been addicted to the Reds for much longer than that. You have found the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and we're free and available on all platforms we have a full show for you today major league baseball has once again agreed to cancel more games another week into the season has been lost as a marathon of negotiations just proved uh, very frustrating we'll, we'll talk about why we're really frustrated here in just a moment we will also tell you why the Cincinnati Reds lineup is not the best in the division but it could be and how that could be achieved but before we talk about that we've got to talk about this nonsense that was the ongoing lockout of Major League Baseball Steve I'm frustrated I'm mad I'm I, I'm disheartened to tell you the truth, because all I heard Tuesday night was how we're close. We're so close. We're rounding third. We're heading for home. They no got thrown out in the middle, uh, somewhere along the way. It, it was, uh, I, I don't know how you're feeling right now, but I'm just, I'm crushed. It was, it was a very confusing, uh, follow last night. If you were watching what was going on as it was unfolding, there was a period of time where everybody went dark. And for me, that was very encouraging, I thought, because they were too busy talking to each other and trying to figure things out than to be out leaking to the media. So I thought that was a great sign. Uh, We kept hearing from everybody, pro player, pro owner, and everyone in between that things, there was progress, things were happening. We were, we were going to get there. Uh, And once again, we staged the all night vigil of waiting for there to be an announcement that never came. And this morning we wake up to news that you know, things that have not been a sticking point all along are now a sticking point. Things that we haven't really even been spending very much time talking about are now front and center in what is keeping a deal from being done. So um, frustrating. Oh, yeah. Angry. Absolutely. A little worried. You betcha. Yeah, because we have now crossed the threshold where the owners are now saying that they're not going to pay the players for an entirely full season. That in and of itself is not something that they can impose. That is something that has to be agreed upon. So yet again, another thing that they've got to figure out between the two of them. And it's going to be the very basis of how they get paid for this season. It, it, it all comes, the frustration, the disheartening feelings, the just absolute crushedness that you and I are experiencing comes from, it's really hard to figure out who to trust in all this because there are pro player reporters, there are pro uh, owner reporters, there are people who are generally right with what they have to say that say things that get you all fired up, get you thinking, all right, we're close. And then you find out you weren't even anywhere near close and you kind of hit on it. One of the biggest sticking points was something we haven't heard about 
really until this set of negotiations, and that was the international player draft. Currently, there's an international international player signing period, but they want to turn that into a draft. They say that will help quell some of the inequities and some of the corruption that happens in some of the countries, especially in Latin America, throughout the process of getting a player ready to be signed by a major league ball club. The problem was you had the foremost voice of any Dominican baseball player that there is, Hall of Famer now, David Ortiz, telling the union to not agree to any sort of international draft. The reason for that is not because the draft in and of itself is something that he opposes. It's the implementation of it. The fact that it is being used as a bargaining chip and they'll just be like, yeah, whatever. Here's the draft. We're going to slap that on. He wants them to figure it out and take a lot longer to do it. And that's not something that he wants the players to agree on right now. And that was the major sticking point of the day that has now cost us more games. And it doesn't sound like there's really any wiggle room amongst the Latin players to, to continue to hash this out. And then one of the other things that happened, Jeff, is that mysteriously, the whole draft pick compensation item is now back and tied to this draft. When I thought that that was one of the things that was settled a month ago. Uh, am I wrong yeah, in that? Too. Wasn't this settled? This was announced by commissioner Rob Manfred in a press conference, February 10th. Actually, I went back and looked just to make sure. Um, he said, along with the universal DH, these are things that are happening. They're getting rid of draft pick compensation and the universal DH is coming. Along with the idea of deadlines, apparently the things that they say are happening aren't actually happening until they've actually happened. So when it comes to the reporting of all of this CBA nonsense and this lockout ridiculousness, basically until the car is there, there is no way of knowing where or how far along this journey we actually are. You know, one of the things that's, I think, difficult to follow, especially with this international draft processes. If you're just casually listening to the updates as they come through or just reading on a ticker on one of your channels, uh, it, it may be it may be hard for you to grasp why uh, the international draft is a non-starter and why uh, players are against making it, well, I don't know if fair is the right way to put it, but making it the same, making the international draft players uh, follow the same rules that domestic players have to follow. Uh, it's very difficult to, to understand why the Latin American players are so against this. It's something that there was a really good article, I believe it was a couple of months ago, that Ken Rosenthal and Maria Torres of The Athletic teamed up on and, and kind of really set the picture for what goes on, especially in the Dominican Republic, when it comes to the training of these players. You're talking about kids that are 12, 13, and 14 years old that leave their families for a boarding house situation where they eat, sleep, breathe baseball. That's what they do. They leave their families to train and get signed by a major league organization. The problem is there are so much, there's so much more undercurrent and they could not get a firm, you know, what it is that actually happens because this is something that people only speak about on the basis of anonymity. 
This is not something that they actually talk about with their name attached to it because there's so much to be had. There's so much real estate to cover when it comes to the corruption in Latin America for this. But there's there's so much exploitation that goes on that, yes, they don't oppose the idea of a draft as a whole. They oppose quickly implementing it and thinking that that will solve the problems that currently exist. This is something that they want the league to work on. And the fact that it was such a sticking point today was it had not previously been tied to draft pick compensation. It had been a part of all other proposals, but the players had just categorically rejected it. They didn't want anything to do with it because they knew it wasn't going to be implemented properly. And now it's become a bargaining chip and it became a PR ploy. Bravo to the PR people for the owners, a PR ploy to get people against the players. And I think it worked if you look at my mentions. No, you're absolutely right, Jeff. I, I've seen it too. Um, I've been getting a lot of messages that that seem to indicate that, well, you know, now it's the players. The owners are trying to be fair. And they're really yeah. not. I think they learned a lot from last week's negotiations. And and basically what they did last night and today amounted to, to utilizing the hidden ball trick. They keep trying to slip something in that wasn't there before. And then the players are the ones when they go, wait a minute, uh, look like they're not playing ball, so to speak. Uh, to use a football analogy, I feel like the owners keep moving the goalposts Uh, every time that we get close and we get excited and they think they've got a way to make the players look bad they're doing it and uh, things are going to be interesting because now they're threatening to not pay the players but also they're coming up on that 25 games canceled threshold where they're going to have to start reimbursing money to the networks so it's going to be interesting to see how things play out over the course of the next week or so. But no matter how close these negotiations sound I think the owners are going to continue to move the goalposts until they get what they want. Now, Jeff, there are four reasons why the Reds lineup is really good, but enough questions to keep it from being the best lineup in the division. Once there is baseball, the Reds could have a very strong and healthy lineup, but it could be mission impossible to have baseball anytime soon. But you know who does have and does believe in mission possible? That's Tim Tebow. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission possible. Written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete Tim Tebow encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Make sure you give Locked On MLB Prospects a listen after today's podcast. Lindsey Crosby is a minor league encyclopedia and will keep you up to date on all of the up and coming players throughout minor league baseball, uh, as well as take a look at some college baseball along the way as well. The Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is free and available on all platforms, just like us here at Locked On Reds. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. I'm at S. Offenbaker. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three F's. And you can also follow the show at Locked On Reds. Also, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you are watching us right now, thank you so much. Make sure you have clicked that subscribe button. And if you're listening on the audio feeds, head over to YouTube, click that subscribe button, because once this season does get underway, there will be a lot of exclusive video content you're only going to get right there at Locked on Reds. On the next episode of Locked on Reds, we will continue our rankings of where the Reds fit in the National League Central, and we'll tell you why. The Reds won't win the division, but they won't be far away. 
Uh, Jeff, let's start with a little bit of these rankings and talk about this Reds lineup as it is right now. I know that uh, there are some things we can definitely just call locks right now. That's going to be India as a leadoff guy. Joey maybe in the top four, maybe in the middle, somewhere along the way. Jesse Winker and Tyler Naquin against right-handing pitchers. We know that. Tyler Stevenson, he's going to be a tough out, and he is probably going to be the cleanup hitter. But there's still a lot of question marks uh, when you look at what the Reds have in-house right now if the season started today. Yeah, when you talk about those four things that we know outside of that, we don't know anything else. Everything else is a question mark. And, and if you tell me you know, and, and I would love to sit here and say that I know a Eugenio Suarez is going to bounce back and be September Suarez. I don't know that. I'd love to say that Mike Mustakis is going to be healthy and going to be a really good designated hitter for the Reds against right-handed pitching at the very least. I don't know that. I don't know what Jose Barrera is going to be like as a hitter. I don't know who's going to be in the outfield on an everyday basis. And I surely don't know what they're going to do with Jesse Winker and Tyler Naquin when they face left-handed pitching. There's a lot of question marks there. And for that reason alone, I can't rank them at the top of this division. No, I agree with you. And, you know, we talk about, again, having to deal with what they got. Barring some miracle I think all of the people you just mentioned, Suarez, whether he hits or not, whether it's April Suarez or September Suarez, he's going to play. If Mustakas is healthy and active, whether it's Mustakas from three years ago or Mustakas from last year, he's going to be in the lineup at times. So I attempted, I took a stab at using what they've got right now to build a lineup. And we'll just start with a versus right-handed pitchers. You know, I'm with you right there. India at the top playing second base. I penciled Jesse Winker in the two hole playing left field. Followed up immediately by Joey Votto in the three spot playing first. Tyler Stevenson, your catcher, batting cleanup. Then it got a little tricky. I went with Moose as the designated hitter against right-handed pitching. Uh, followed immediately by Suarez playing third base and batting sixth. Uh, then I went with Tyler Naquin in right field batting seventh. The return of Nick Senzel in center field batting eighth. And my guy, the future short, shortstop every day of the Cincinnati Reds, Jose Barrero, batting ninth and playing shortstop against right-handed pitchers. I do like that because you also have the added uh, benefit with now there being a designated hitter and stuff like that. If Barrero does figure it out, at least in the early going, and he's still hitting ninth, it's like a second leadoff guy as mm -hmm. the game goes through, and, and that'll be kind of fun to see. I, the only thing I probably would change, I think I would, and it's micro, not, not anything crazy, but I think I'd flip Gino and Tyler Naquin. But the only reason for that is I think it'd be cool to have Naquin on base and Gino to drive him in. But I, I still think that it's a solid lineup. I expect that if you're talking about right-handed pitching, Mike Mustakas is going to be your DH. I'm not expecting him to be playing the field a whole heck of a lot. Um, probably the only situation I see that is if they're giving Gino an off day. I, as far as how they're going to work that and figure out who's got the hot hand, it's all going to be about who's hitting. And then you kind of run the idea of, okay, is Alejo Lopez going to get some run in there somewhere? But I think that's going to be more against left-handed pitching since he's a switch hitter, not necessarily, you know, one way or the other when it comes to the platoon splits. But I think overall that's a really solid lineup. And outside of them adding another uh, batter, that's what I would pencil in too. Well, then I tried to take a look at left-handers, and I tried to get creative. I tried to channel 
David Bell when I made my left-handed lineup. And, it's hard to do. And, and, and I did. I, I think I accomplished it. So, again, versus left-handers. I keep India in the game. He's batting leadoff. In the two-spot, I move Nick Senzel up, playing center field against left-handed pitchers. Joey stays in the lineup, batting third at first base. Then I move Tyler Stevenson to the designated hitter spot, batting fourth, to, to protect his knees a little bit. Uh, batting five, I go with Suarez at third base. At six, I've got Kyle Farmer in the lineup playing shortstop, followed yep. in the seventh hole by whoever it is that ends up being the backup catcher, the second catcher. I think that's Nap right now if you're just looking at what they have uh, obligated to be on the roster in 2022. I think Nap is probably your guy there. Could be somebody different once things get rolling. We'll see. Number eight, God help us, will be Aristides Aquino out in, out in center field, in right field. Oh, Aristides Aquino out him. in right I field. Do, I do. I mean, he can play defense out there. We talked about this on the last episode, yes. but, yes, but man, can. he has a yes. hole in his swing. And then batting ninth, here's where I channeled my David Bell because batting ninth will still be Jose Barrero, but this time in left field to spell Jesse Winker. That makes sense to me, and that's something that I think we've all got to wrap our minds around is that in this day and age, you look at the Dodgers, the idea of an everyday eight just isn't really a thing. And when you look at Jesse Winker's big deficiency, it's left-handed pitching. He just has a tr- – he, he does not hit it very well. And if you look at the batting average, that's almost more misleading because you got to look at the OPS. He has no power against left-handed pitching. He just cannot get a solid barrel on the ball. And yeah, sure, you kind of want to see what you have with Jesse Winker against left-handed pitching, but I think more times than not, I don't want to see him against left-handed pitching. Plus, it was funny because, you know, we we kind of chuckled at the idea of Aristides Aquino in the lineup whenever it comes to left-handed pitching. I saw an article over at... Um, our friends at Blog Red Machine talking about he should be one of the players that the Reds move on from. The only issue I take with that is they got to have a, a plan B. Like right now, there is no plan B. I don't know who else if, you're gonna. If they let, if they, if they get rid of Aristides right now, you or I are gonna have to be on the roster for outfield <laughs> because there is just like, nobody else. I think. I, I think if I if I squint real hard, I could probably see Lorenzo Cedrola, but I don't know if that's an opening day thing. I don't know if that's something that they're ready to commit to right out of the gate. So I, I think that there's going to have to be a lot more moves because I agree there's there's not an opening day solution that is a right-handed bat in the outfield currently on this roster. It's going to have to be uh, a Mr. Outside Hire. Oh, I agree. Uh, and you know, before we and before we move on from that lineup, Jeff, I just want to reiterate that we're talking about if we have to build a lineup with who they've got right now. And also, let's remember that this is not the 80s Reds. This is not the 90s Reds. Yeah. David Bell is a new breed of manager, and just because a guy is not in the starting lineup in the first inning, unless he's on a scheduled off day, you can bet David Bell is going to find a way to tinker his way into having that guy in the game. He's going to continue to pinch hit. He's going to continue to play matchups in the later innings, and everybody's going to get at bats. It's just a matter of who's out there to start the game against the starting pitcher. Well, he's king double switch, right? Well, I think that's going I mean, away. That's, the, that's going away. No maybe, more double switch. It's maybe, just going to hey, be one first. <laughs> don't don't you put David Bell in a corner. He's going to figure <laughs> out a way to get a double switch in there. You 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 can bet that. I I, I assure you. Um, I I think. No, I, I totally agree with you. And, and to say that he's a new breed of manager, I think that's the majority of the game anymore. You you don't have 
as many managers now that are beholden to an everyday eight that they're going to run out there come hell or high water. I mean, the Dodgers don't do that at all. You're talking about the Rays had, I mean, it's really hard to nail down what their everyday lineup looks like because they don't have one. And those are successful teams. You want to emulate successful teams. I know that the Dodgers spend way more money than the Reds do, but the Rays don't. And the Rays are way more successful than the Reds have been for a long, long time. So you want to emulate those teams. And the way that you do that is you play the matchups. And I know people hate that saying. They hate that that idea when it comes to baseball. And they think that people are playing the game on their iPads. That's not the case. That's how everybody plays the game. Now, you play the matchups and you cannot ignore bad platoon splits. And this team sucked against left-handed pitching last year. No two ways about it. They Tell us how you really feel, Jeff. Suck. <laughs> they were they were god-awful, which brings me to our next point. Because when we're talking about this lineup, we know there's all these questions. But Steve and I have a few answers for you, including why one is to add a right-handed bat. <clears throat> I know that's just a, I, I, I never would have thought of that. We'll tell you all about that right after I save you some money on Built Bar. Head on over to Built.com today and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order because we're all looking for a healthy snack right now as the college basketball games are going on because it's March Madness. There's so many great conference tournament games going on right now. It's really helping me kind of bring me back up from the down that baseball is trying to keep me down with. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and it's going to up your snack game during March Madness because it's even better than a candy bar when it comes to taste. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they've got the kind of statistics that will make your snack lineup the top of the division. We're talking about 130 average calories. We're talking about up to 18 grams of protein, less than 4 grams of fat and sugar, Check them out today at Built.com and check them out with the promo code LOCKED15. I actually just got my shipment in. I got the mixed box of puff bars. You got banana cream puff. You got coconut marshmallow puff. And you got churro puff. I'm going to see how many more times I can just say puff on today's podcast. But you can go get yourself some puffs at Built.com. Promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. I also know another website that you need to check out because you want to save money, right? I just gave you some codes to save money on Built Bar. How about you save some money on auto parts? And you can find every single auto part you need for your car at rockauto.com. You've heard me talk about them a lot. Rock Auto has all of the parts your car will ever need and reliably low prices as well. You go to that store down the road, they're going to upcharge you up to 100% more than you would be paying at rockauto.com. Check them out. If you need whatever kind of part you're talking about, like, I don't know, maybe you need a turn signal light you know, front or back. Maybe you need a new steering wheel. Maybe you want to reupholster your seats. You can do that at rockauto.com or at least get the parts for it. You'll have to reupholster it yourself. And we're talking about brand new cars all the way back to cars in like the 60s and the 50s and super old cars that if you're trying to restore them, then you're really cool. You, you do more work on that than I do. Check out all the parts out at rockauto.com. And when you're in the checkout section in the How'd You Hear About Us area, type in Locked On to let them know that your pal Jeff and Steve from the Lockdown Reds podcast sent you. That's 
locked on in the how'd you hear about us area in the checkout section of rockauto.com. Rockauto.com has all of the parts that your car will ever need. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Make sure you're following us on all platforms, including YouTube, because we've got so much great stuff coming for you when it comes to YouTube and when it comes to the upcoming season, whenever we're getting that. But hey, we're talking about the lineup. We're not talking about the lockout stuff. We're talking about this Reds lineup. And we already told you. So, all right. They're not the best in the division, Steve. I, I think that you could probably put the Brewers up there. I think the Cardinals might have a slight better lineup than the Reds. And, and mainly I'm looking at the big three there in the middle of Goldschmidt, Arenado, and um, Tyler O'Neill. So I'm thinking that the Reds are third. I, I, and I think that that's something that you said as well. They could be better, though. And that's if they add a couple right-handed bats. You know, once again, for this exercise on paper right now, today, I have them at number three. I agree with you. Uh, They definitely aren't as as solid as the Brewers. And and because of the big three that you mentioned with the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals come in second. We don't know what the Cubs are going to look like. We know what the Pirates are going to look like. So, you know, I think the Reds are a solid three when you take all that into consideration. Um, Question marks in this lineup for sure. Uh, Nothing bigger than what do they do at right field? And you and I have talked about it. Um, I have thrown names out there before, uh, both on this podcast and when we've guessed it on other shows, that they need to get a nice right-handed bat that can platoon with Tyler Naquin out in right field and the two together make a solid major leaguer. I'm all for that. They don't have to go sign a star. I'm not saying that they need to drop $30 million a year and bring back Nick Castellanos uh, unless they just really want to surprise us. Uh, but be nice, but do it. Um, but beyond that, you know, I've said all along that we need an Andrew McCutcheon type player to, to pair up with Tyler Naquin and make a solid right fielder. Because as I've talked about, Aristides Aquino is not the answer for that right-handed bat. I think Naquin could be a very serviceable, uh, player in that position, both defensively and offensively. If he's only facing right-handed pitchers, uh, the real trick comes in is that he's so bad against lefties that they're going to have to do something. That's one thing that I, I, I will grant anyone that wants to be super optimistic. Let's say Nick Senzel's healthy, and let's say Nick Senzel plays really well. Tyler Naquin's not going to roll out of bed and just be good against left-handed pitching. It's just not going to happen. It hadn't happened for him in his entire career. It's not all. He's not going to suddenly get good against left-handed pitching in 2022. So you're going to need a right-handed bat. I love the McCutcheon idea because I keep saying, yeah, it'd be great if they go and they get, you know, if they look up the Middletown, they go call, you know, Kyle Schwarber, who's probably hanging out in Middletown right now and go get him and bring him down to great American ballpark. That probably won't happen because I'm sure there's a lot of clubs that are trying to do that. But you could get McCutcheon, you could platoon him with Tyron Aquin, and you put those two together, you've got a pretty solid player when you add their platoon splits together. This is going back to really when Jesse Winker was first called up and we had Philip Irvin on the team. I always loved the idea of platooning the two of those guys. They never really did it 50-50, but when you looked at Philip Irvin against left-handers and Jesse Winker against right-handers, you had a really good hitter. Just take that over and you put it on Tylen Aquin and you put it on Andrew McCutcheon and McCutcheon becomes your fourth outfielder. He can pretty much play anywhere. I mean, I'd rather have him in center field than Jesse Winker. That's for sure. Uh, I don't know that I'd rather have him 
over Nixon, Zeller, Tyler Naquin, but he could play there if need be. He can fit in left field and have Jesse Winker set or something like that. And then you have Jose Barrero that you can move around as well. I think you've got to add somebody, though, and I'm a little bit worried that the front office doesn't do that. But I think that is how you really solidify this lineup and you make an argument for having the best lineup in the division because I think you sign Andrew McCutcheon, maybe Jose Barrero figures out this whole hitting thing, and then you've got two solid right-handed bats to play with. You know, the thing of it is, is going out and getting somebody to to platoon and right is the one thing that the Reds really have some control over in, in improving this lineup as far as yeah. that goes. Because the rest of the question marks, Jeff, involve a whole lot of cross your fingers and, and hope for the best. We have to hope that Barrero figures it out and can hit at the major league level something similar to what he was hitting at the minor league level. We have to hope that September A. Eugenio Suarez is who shows up. We have to hope that Nick Senzel can remain healthy for an entire season. We have to hope that Mike Mustaka still has something in the tank. And then there's one more question mark that we really haven't talked about. But the more I think about it in this lineup exercise, the more pressing it becomes. And that is who is going to be the second catcher? Because, you know, the days of, uh, of a catcher catching, you know, 140 games even is probably over. You, you are going to need yep. somebody that you expect to have a significant amount of playing time. Now, the advantage of having the DH will keep Stevens's bat in the lineup. But you're also going to have to fill that spot behind the plate. And right now, I don't see anybody that does doesn't worry me about them hitting down around the Mendoza line. So it's it's a question of is there somebody that will step up and become a uh, decent average major league hitter to be the second guy behind the plate? Yeah, that's going to be interesting because I know they have Andrew Knapp. Um, I don't really know what else they got behind them. I mean, I, I, I know they signed another feller and I... I should have looked up his name before I said the fact that they signed him. But yes, there's another guy that's in the running for that. You have Mark Colesvari, who we've been told by many folks who have watched him play that he is a very solid defensive catcher who can't hit the broadside of the barn even in AAA. So I don't know that you're going to ask him to do that in the major leagues at least right away. He's probably, you know, a Ryan LaVarnway type, an emergency guy you call up if you need him. Now, uh, although that's that's putting a lot of, you know, that's putting a lot of negativity on Ryan LaVarnway's legendary name. So I'm sorry about that. Didn't mean to do that. But the backup catching spot is going to be important because Tyler Stevenson is not going to catch 140 games. I totally agree. I think the the last catchers who will have done that, are uh, one is retired and one's about to retire, and they're both that uh, both names that Reds fans don't like, and that's Yadier Molina and Buster Posey. But we're not going to see that. We're not going to see those guys anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. And you know, I think it's even a misnomer to call that the backup catcher. That's really not the nature of the yeah. beast any longer. It's the second catcher. It's the guy that you're going to run out there every third day, every at fourth day at most and is going to get significant playing time. So it's not a backup in case something goes wrong. This is a position now that you are counting on uh, to be a contributor, to be an often contributor in a lineup that already has some questions it needs to answer. And make no mistake about it, I know that the mantra was realigning payroll and stuff like that, so we immediately thought that the only thing we could judge Nick Crawl on is the trades that he was going to make and the prospects he was going to get back and things like that. But no, I will judge Nick Crawl if he does not go out and make moves, if he thinks that Andrew Knapp is the answer, if he thinks that Aristides Aquino is the answer to the fourth outfielder spot, 
it feels as though it is within the realm of possibility to go out and get a solid right-handed outfield bat and to maybe go get a solid number two catcher. I, I will put that against Nick Crawl if he just punts that and we go to opening day as is. I 100% agree. That is one of the things I'm going to be watching and how I will be rating this front office because as bad as as bad as it's been, I don't think a lot of what's happened really is Nick Cross' fault. I don't feel like no. we have enough information to judge him on, but we will after this. After all yes. of this shakes out and we have baseball, we'll know who Nick Crawl is as the general manager and know if he's part of the problem or part of the solution. But uh, I think that's probably a good place to stop for the day, Jeff. That's going to wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up on the next podcast, uh, we will continue to tell you why the Reds may not win the division. They may not win the Central, but they are definitely going to be in the playoff conversation. We'll also keep you updated on the latest from the CBA negotiations as events unfold. Thank you so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Now make Locked on MLB your second listen. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. Locked on MLB, just like Locked on Reds, is free and available on all podcasting platforms. Unfortunately, Jeff, we're still in the offseason because Rob Manfred still has us locked out. But in spite of all that, what are we, Jeff? We are Locked on Reds. Every single day.